Within and Without, a universal trait among writers, written by Sophia Staffiero and Natasha Lowry. Reading time, nine minutes. The concept of being within and without was first introduced to me, Natasha, in an academic sense during a reading of The Great Gatsby in high school. Though I was barely impacted by the weight of these words at the time, they continued to circle in my mind, slotting themselves into the gently torn bits of old memories, filling in the cracks, the inexplicable discrepancies that underpinned my experiences of the world. In time, these three words, within and without, for better or for worse, became a personal cosmology, the way I came to understand myself in relation with the other. I felt, feel, often as if I am neither member nor outsider, never fully within an experience, yet never fully without it either. And then, more recently, I read this. I believe it is at the root of the reason so many writers will tell you that they felt in some way alienated as children. When you are not at home in yourself as a child, you don't experience yourself as natural or inevitable, as so many other people seem to do. And this, though melancholy at the time, can come with certain distinct advantages. Not to take yourself as a natural, unquestionable entity can lead you in turn to become aware of the radical contingency of life in general, its supremely accidental nature. Zadie Smith in Feel Free. Zadie Smith's words create beautiful links among several disjointed conversations that Sophia and I have shared over our friendship thus far faith and spirituality in our increasingly faithless world, the underrated pleasures of handwritten letters, frustratingly unnecessary social anxiety, the sometimes harmonious, sometimes at-odds reality of a mixed-race body. In short, the characteristics, the capua we share that set us slightly apart, but within arm's reach of many of our peers. But until reading Smith's essay in Feel Free, The I Who Is Not Me, this feeling of being born within and without was just that, an emotion, something to detect within our bodies, to ponder, to discuss, and eventually to set aside resignedly as another one of life's inevitabilities. Smith's words, for me at least, recast my sense of gentle alienation from the world as not only a creative force, but also one that is shared, universal, capua among writers. Within and Without has become my act of service, the way that I show my gratitude and responsibility for the network of people, places, beings that have supported my life and growth thus far. To straddle two worlds is to never fully belong to one or the other. It is to inhabit the threshold, to see simultaneously from more than one point of view, to have been molded by more than one paradigm. Within and Without means that I am not one or the other, half and half, an impossible choice. It is more than, it is both. It is the freedom to not choose. It is giving oneself the permission to be everything at once. And in this plasticity lies empathy, compassion, the suspension of the self in the pursuit of understanding another. Like Natasha, I, Sophia, was introduced to the phenomenon of being within and without during my A-level English literature module in secondary school. It just so happened that the same year in which I was taking this course, the 2013 Baz Luhrmann version of the film was released in the cinemas. 
Amongst many vibrant and dynamic scenes, one clip which I felt compelled to rewatch on YouTube was the one which is quoted in the featured pictured above, which reads, I was within and without, simultaneously enchanted and repelled by the inexhaustible variety of life, taking from F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. It was the first visual representation I had ever come across that so aptly and faithfully captured a feeling which, up until then, I had been unable to express beyond those three words. Growing up between several different worlds, the Gambia, Italy and the UK, I have often felt, on the one hand, this feeling of belonging to cultures and places which I did, and still, do not fully know, and on the other hand, I have felt lost in spaces and communities which, in theory, I should have fitted into quite effortlessly. As I have been privileged to have more opportunities to learn about myself and my roots through my education, I studied Italian and Latin at undergraduate degree level, and I am, at the time of writing, studying for an African Studies postgrad master's. I have found that part of the sense of disorientation is rooted in the constant internal negotiation which takes place between my perceived identities as an individual and as a member of various different communities. Being part of several different worlds which emphasise both the communal and the individual has, to some degree, shaped the dual modes in which I perceive myself as both an individual and a representative of my imagined communities. I believe there is something more to be said about the fact that I often subconsciously perceive myself as an individual when it comes to my achievements, and as a member of a party slash group in those moments when I find it hard to fit in. For example, why, despite being a member of Group X, do I not feel at ease, rather than why does Sophia, as the individual, not fit in? Perhaps collectivity and a feeling of being in this together cools the burns of rejection and diminishes the personal. This, however, is still something which I'm reflecting on. Recently, one of my modules for university, we have been discussing what I shall call here the African duty. That is, the sense of responsibilities which Africans feel towards their community as equally, if not more important than their duty to themselves. It is a theme which is not only limited to academic literature, but also takes priority as a topic of discussion in African literature, such as Chinua Achibe's No Longer At Ease, where the protagonist, Obi Okwankwo, is torn between his rights as an educated Nigerian and his obligations as a member of his community, whereby he is expected to uphold certain cultural practices and mores. What these various conversations reveal is an overarching understanding of African duty, as embedded in the social consciousness of many African societies and cultures arguably also recognised in a pan-African manner through the existence of the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, the only charter that currently exists in the world which recognises communities' rights, and attention in the constant renegotiation of identity in relation to self and to community. I believe this is one of the many facets that the within and without phenomenon takes. It is a feeling which, like Natasha, has accompanied me through various moments in my life, and is one I keep finding myself drawn to both in my studies and in my leisurely reading. It is something which I believe is more than just a feeling, and is a way of experiencing the world, through the plurality of self which has always been, for all of us, in some way, shape or form, a locus of internal struggles. Reader and author's note. Included in the original post is a link to the YouTube video clip which is mentioned in the post. To access this, please go onto our website, www.wintersbloom2019.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening.